Tom Woods Show, episode 1690. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, by now you've probably noticed that news about the virus is almost always fact-free hysteria these days. So you need my brand new free ebook, Your Facebook Friends Are Wrong About the Lockdown. Go pick it up at wrongaboutlockdown.com. Hey, everybody, Tom Woods here. Dave Smith is back on the show. And you know what? We're just going to shoot the breeze, all right? Dave, as you know, is the host of Part of the Problem, which is an outstanding libertarian podcast. He is a comedian, very successful one at that, and he's just been on fire lately. And I just want to talk about just some items in the news because I listen to Dave, and he's a great commentator, great communicator, and just a great guy to bounce ideas off of. And I thought that would be something fun for us to do today. Dave, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. As always, it's great to be with you. I got the idea to talk to you because I've been listening to your seemingly endless series of conversations with Michael Malice on each other's (laughs) shows. And I thought, all right, look, obviously these two have an endless number of things they could say about an endless number of topics. So I want a piece of this. So here you are. (laughs) And and there we go. I said I don't really, I don't have any, let's say, earth-shattering issues to discuss. I have some minor issues that I think point to some earth-shattering issues. It's just some passing items from the news that I think we can place in context. So for instance, you got tremendous engagement with a tweet. I'm sure you know which one I mean a few days ago, maybe even more recently than that, having to do with something that happened in Seattle. There was a Black Lives Matter protest and somebody in a car drove into the protesters and actually killed one of them. And what you tweeted was, you retweeted with comment the ABC News report on this and their Twitter summary. Now, by the way, if you click through to the ABC News article, it's no better. It's not like the Twitter summary was off, but the article was pretty good. They, well, you know what? You bless the world with this tweet, and here I am going to take the whole punchline away. Why don't you tell? <laughs> okay, well, let me let me just tell you first of all. So I know what tweet you're talking about because it's it's I, I believe the most engagement I've ever gotten. Uh, uh, from a tweet. I've never, here, let me uh, just pull it up right now on my phone, okay? It was over so, 13,000 likes last I looked. Yes, it's it, that's that's right about where it is. A, a little over 13,000 likes and uh, a little under 4,000 retweets. And you know the reason why, Tom, and this will hurt, you know the reason why it got so much engagement? No, it's because I got a retweet from Ben Shapiro. Oh, so okay. That's, that's what we owe it all to. And you know what I was thinking was what there's somebody, uh, uh, someone made like a YouTube video of just me and you on my podcast from a few years ago. Talking doing about a ben Shapiro? of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh man, if he, if he does happen to, you know, Google our names together, um, that is going to be one of the first things that come up, which yeah. would be, which would actually, you know, be pretty cool if he uh, if he saw that. But, but yeah, also, it was a great tweet. It. it was so well well written. Well, it, it was beautiful. Well, this is it. well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Greg Gutfeld, who who I like very much, uh, who has a show on Fox News, he also uh, retweeted it. So yeah, so that's that's the key is to get a couple uh, a couple famous people tweeting it. But so ABC News tweeted, and and the article, as you indicated, was you know just as bad. But they tweet a young protester has died from injuries she suffered when a luxury car plowed into her and another woman during a Black Lives Matter protest Saturday uh, on a Seattle freeway. So my response to it 
uh, is I, I, I quote tweeted and said, race is only relevant when it will heighten racial tensions. So ABC doesn't mention that the driver was black. They do, however, give you the critical detail that it was a luxury car. <laughs> uh, so beautiful. I, I could also have added in there, you know, a few other elements. So they did mention that it was women. Uh, you know, they do, they, they, now everybody knows, and, and I think this is the reason why people, you know, kind of latched onto the tweet or, or, or appreciated it, because everybody knows that had this been a white guy driving the car and had killed a, a black woman, of course that would have been in the headline. That would have been the story, you know, uh, just like we see all the time, you know, white man kills unarmed black guy. You know, they always put the race in the story when it can suit their narrative. But instead, since it's a black guy who killed a white woman, you know, this just messes with the narrative. It's like a black guy killed a white woman who's protesting for black lives. It's just, it doesn't really fit cleanly into any narrative. So they just say luxury car hits woman at Black Lives Matter protest. And it's just, it, it does, you know, it, it, like you said, it's just this one story. Obviously it's a tragic story, but it kind of hints at the, the agenda of the corporate press, which is really sinister. It's like to always kind of antagonize and heighten racial conflict and it's, it's really, it's sickening. Yeah, I know. I mean, these are the same people who say we need a president who will unify the country. Right, right. How does it unify the country to obviously imply that it's a white driver? I mean, what else are they, what else are we supposed to take from luxury car, first of all? Then, if, by the way, if you look at the comments on that ABC News tweet, it will actually make you feel, for the most part, better. Because we have a lot of people who know the story saying, wow, a luxury car that drove itself. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's no yeah. driver in the story, right? No driver and at all. And, and of course, you know, and, and this is one of the things I was talking about on my most recent podcast and, and speaking to libertarians about this. If, you know, hypothetically, we let, let's just say that every time that a black person committed a violent act against a white person, the media was really heightening up the racial tensions. And they were like, black man kills unarmed white man. And you just constantly saw that headline and they were always inserting race into it. I think libertarians would rightfully say, this is unnecessary. Like there, this is, uh, there's nothing productive about working up racial hostilities. Um, let's deal with the criminal element. Let's deal with the violent crime problem, but we don't need to do that. So why do we not push back when there's this constant demonizing of white people and an attempt to, you know, like always kind of paint this picture when the reality of the situation is no matter how uncomfortable it makes you, there's, there's not a huge epidemic of, of white people committing violent crimes against black people in this country. So I just don't, it's like, if we would do it on that side, I think we should do it on this side as well. That's, that's kind of my, at least my take on it. Well, especially for people who genuinely, not as a, not as posturing, but like you and me, who genuinely want human understanding, who genuinely, genuinely want toleration and peace between people. That is genuinely yeah. what we want. We don't want to gin up artificial conflicts where none exist. We want right. people to, to get along. And, and they can't, if they keep having shoved down their throats this, this view of the world that does not correspond to reality. And of course, again, if it had been the opposite, if it had been a white driver driving into a black protester, obviously the races would have been identified. Here they leave the race of the driver out. They have a photograph of the victim, but obviously meant to imply something that is not 
the case. I mean, it's obviously meant to create, and, and that reminds me of something I wrote about in my uh, email newsletter this week about the very idea of unifying the country. I can't believe I even fell for this for so long because I, I finally stopped to think about the absurdity of this. We have people saying, we need a president who can unify the country, who can bring us together. And I think the reason I didn't see the problem with that was because Ron Paul used to say liberty can bring us together. So the words bring us together just had a benign association in my mind. But but now with the one normal person out of there and all sociopaths remain, imagine the absurdity of looking at America today and the the the, the, the nature of the divisions. We're not divided over what's your favorite color, what was your favorite board game as a kid, what's your favorite pastime. We're not divided about that. We're divided over should we suppress your dissident voice or not? Right. How do you unify that? How? Yes. Should we should we burn cities to the ground? Should we like? Oh, okay. I, I don't know how. You know the the difference I guess between libertarians like like the great Ron Paul talking about bringing people together is, you know, like in the same sense that me and you want to not gin up unnecessary conflicts between different groups or different races or or, or you know ethnicities in the country. When we talk about bringing people together, it's kind of a different thing. What we're really saying is like, look, we can peacefully coexist. That you don't have to have, obviously, in Portland, they're going to have different social values than they have in, you know, some part of Alabama or something like that. And and that's okay. That doesn't mean you have to go to war with each other. Um, the Democrat version of bring people together is dominating the other half of the country who doesn't agree with them. Um, so it's a very different type of bringing people together. I, I still kind of, you know, admire so much about the Ron Paul days, but it does seem like, unfortunately, that to some degree was a flash in the pan and, and it's, it's hard, it, it's heartbreaking. But the truth is that most people are not operating from the same type of mind state that libertarians like you and I are. And the, you know, the, the wars uh, are the longest in American history. They're still, you know, raging on. The Fed is going nuts. Government spending's through the roof. All these problems. And that's not what's getting people out into the street. And the racial stuff is. And unfortunately, it's something that we have to, to grapple with that, you know, we really care about being, you know, intellectually consistent and logically sound. And most people don't. They just don't care about it. Anyone who's listening to this show who's ever gotten into a, a, an argument with a, a leftist or something, you know, they know this. You're like, aha, I've got you. You're logically inconsistent. And here I can demonstrate why you're logically inconsistent. And they don't care. That does, that's not, they're not operating from the same mind state that you are. And I say this as somebody, I mean, you could go back and listen to my second appearance on this show ever, where my, my whole message was like, don't give up on the left because I, I used to be on the left and I was converted and we can still convert a lot of people. And maybe that is true, but we do have to recognize that for the vast majority of them, it's just peaceful coexistence is probably our best bet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at this point, I just take so much for granted. I just expect certain things to happen that when they happen, I barely, they barely even register with me. Like in terms of, for example, media agenda, it's so ridiculously obvious. You could just pick any, I mean, literally any news site on any day 
look at the headlines, just the headlines, and see the way they want us to look at the world. So I just, just now, I just went to Yahoo News, and the, the top story is uh, a new Trump book chronicles his dysfunctional family. Could you imagine them saying new Obama book chronicles his dysfunctional family or new Jimmy Carter book chronicles? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just ridiculous. And and then the other day- And I, all of a sudden, and, and I'm sorry to, to interrupt yeah. you, but all of a sudden the idea of people on the left having these strong family values yeah, I know. about like <laughs> exactly, what, a, yeah. what a dysfunctional family is. I mean, this guy's been divorced. My God, yeah. how horrible, you know? <laughs> the scandal and actually, of it all. For, for all the things you can throw at Trump, and there is, I mean, I did a whole episode criticizing uh, the Trump, you know, the, the state of Trumpianism in, in America today, and I, I'm not a fan. But it, I have to say, it's actually kind of impressive that he's got like kids from different marriages and, and multiple divorces, yet he has all his kids around him and they all seem to just, you know, speak so highly of him. That part of his life kind of impresses me a little bit. Well, yeah, I, I can, I can, I hear that. The the item that I I had in mind though, I, j- I just noticed in my notes, the specific news item was again. I don't know if, which app I had open on my phone, some kind of news app, and the top item, I forget which person Tucker Carlson was interviewing, but according to the headline, he questioned her patriotism. Which mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't, but what whatever. I don't remember. No, who I think it was. he. I think he did. Oh, did he really? Okay, maybe no, I so. don't. I don't think he was interviewing her. I think he was just talking about her. Oh, was it? Oh, is that what it was? Okay, and so the headline was "Such and Such Person Shoots Back at Tucker Carlson." Now, if if let's say Rachel Maddow had attacked Rand Paul on the grounds that he's this or that, do you think Rand Paul hitting back would necessarily be the top headline? You know, like would that be the top headline? We get to see Rand's side of the story. You know what I mean? And well, uh, the, what the story was about was her, um, uh, th- this woman was, uh, you know, she was asked whether we should take down statues. She was saying we should take down Confederate statues. And then she was asked whether we should take down statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And she was like, well, that's a national dialogue that we need to have, but maybe that is what we need to do. And Tucker Carlson was kind of like, okay, at what point do you start questioning people's patriotism? Now, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson's more of a of a you know traditional Republican conservative than I am. So I don't know. It's like I, I just don't find like questioning someone's patriotism as being such a like slanderous accusation. But just technically speaking, I mean, if you hate Washington and Thomas Jefferson, I guess it's kind of reasonable yeah. to ask <laughs> if you like the country. Or not. Yeah, right. I mean, they are sort of figureheads, right? They're, they were pretty important in this whole America thing. Yeah, no, uh, fair enough. It was just, uh, and then uh, here's another thing. Now, this is kind of making me wonder about some of my own presuppositions here. Um, we're looking now at some of the plans to send kids back to school in the fall. Mm-hmm. And it, it it varies widely across the country what the different plans are. Now, I just saw a headline. I haven't looked at the details. I just saw a headline saying, now, of course, you know the, the headline is going to, how they're going to phrase it, is that DeSantis in my state of Florida is is giving the authorization to reopen schools fully despite rising coronavirus cases. Of course, that has to be in there. <laughs> and of course, despite, yeah. obviously that has to be in there. Uh, but it seems to me given the polling data about, and I, you don't know, how, when push comes to shove, parents at the last minute may decide, ah, I'll send them to school anyway. But you are at least, 
anecdotally hearing stories about parents saying, to heck with this stupid thing. I'll homeschool before I'll do this to my kid. If that, if these crazy requirements, you know, and who knows how many of these kids are going to be sitting behind plexiglass and whatever, make more people want to homeschool, you would think that this would make them stop doing it because the, the, the government schooling is a key program for them. This is, this is it. This is the whole bag of, of goodies for them is they, where they have to get the young kids into those seats. So could it be that maybe they really and truly honestly are panicked about the virus even now uh, after what we know about kids and everything, not getting it and not really being transmitters of it? Do you think they really are, or is it just a matter of they have two conflicting things? They want the panic, but they also want to indoctrinate the kids and it's just a matter of a tug of war, which wins out. I mean, I can't make sense of this. Yeah, I don't know that I I know for sure what the answer is. I'm sure there are a lot of people uh, within the government who are are panicked about it because so much you know uh, so many people are. But I also think that there's there's a, one more dynamic at play, which is that once the state did, so did I mention this on your show once? But I, I just remember watching um uh this this I've mentioned this on my podcast before, but I, I remember watching this uh, documentary on, on abortion. Uh, once it was like from a very pro-choice uh, point of view, and there was this abortionist, this abortion doctor who had been an abortionist for like thirty years, and she was like, "Listen, there is no moral issue with having an abortion. That's a woman's right, and it's a clump of cells, and blah blah blah. Like no moral issue with having an abortion." And I remember watching her and, and thinking, "Well, yeah, you better believe that, because if you even allow yourself." to contemplate the idea that there's a moral issue with abortion, you've been an abortion doctor for 30 years. So you really can't entertain the thought that abortion is murdering babies because then that makes you a baby serial murderer. So I understand why you're now incentivized to believe this. And I think after the government has shut down everyone's way of life and kicked tens of millions of people out of, uh, out of work, they almost have to justify this now. So they can't admit that maybe that was a mistake because people will be up in arms. So I feel like in some ways they have to dig in um, and, and be like, okay, we can't just say, oh, we're opening school up now. There have to be all of these rules. Uh, but I will say that I think perhaps the one light, like the, the, the one silver lining of all of this is that maybe a lot of people do actually follow through and pull their kids out of public school. Maybe this actually begins the unwinding of the university you know, status quo as well. I mean, I saw that article that Harvard is gonna uh, do all their, their, their school, uh, all their classes online next year. Yeah, and the they still want almost still, 50 grand a year. Yeah, they're still, they still want 50 grand a year and you're, gonna, and you're doing it from your computer. It, like, th maybe this really will be the the positive unintended consequence of all of this uh, let, let's let's pray yeah i hope so but i mean I, I was looking at a thread about that article on twitter and you have all these education bureaucrats saying well it's still expensive to employ the professors and but you know, as if anybody cares about your costs i don't care about your costs i care about the price to me yeah, you know don't, yeah. don't, don't complain to me that you know it's very expensive to run a university that's not that's not my problem. You know, like if, if, if I go to the store and I say, well, 
I think I'd rather have this orange juice than that one because it's a dollar cheaper per gallon. If some guy comes out from behind the, the case and says, no, well, listen to me, man, give us a break. It's really rough running an, ice, a, a, uh, an orange juice factory or whatever. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care what the – it's, it's the, the absurdity on its face that you would charge 50 grand for the privilege of staring at a screen. And it yeah, seems it's, it's like just, that uh, – uh, the, uh, the elites still want their kids to have that certification though. No, that's that's true. That's true. But it would seem like this would have to at least hurt them to some degree. I mean, particularly when all of this information is already on your computer. You know, like what exactly are you paying for? And and I I, I agree with you. There still will be people who want that piece of paper for their kids, but it has to have some effect. I can't believe it has no effect. Yeah. Right. 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 Now, are you still in in uh, Jersey, or have yeah. you gone back to the city? No, I'm I'm in Jersey permanently now. Did I not tell you this? No, me oh, and Lauren got a house in Jersey. No, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, oh. we got a house out here. Oh wow, Dave Smith not in the city anymore. Yeah, I know. It's I crazy. I can't say it's not a smart move. Yeah, it seemed. You know, it was right around the time when they were burning down businesses and dragging people <laughs> out of them that I thought, you know, uh, is this really where I want to raise my daughter? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, my hope is that there would be people moving with their feet and above all businesses moving with their feet. Not like there are a lot of ideal places, but there are some places that are clearly better than others. I mean, I really wanted, not that I wish ill on the residents of any of these places. I mean, some of them aren't to blame, but I really wanted the political classes of these places to feel pain for what yeah. they allowed, for what they did with the lockdowns and what they allowed to happen with the riots. And I don't know. I, I don't know if the numbers will be substantial. I mean, also, people have gotten a, a sucker punch financially because of everything that's going on. Can they afford to move? Well, there's definitely a lot of people who can't. Um, but but the question is, will those who can afford in, uh, to, you know, get out? And, and uh, I think there have been some uh, indications that people are moving out of, uh, out of the city. But again, what, what ends up happening, and this is by the way, I mean, it's been happening even before any of the COVID lockdowns or any of this stuff, there's been, uh, uh, you know, large numbers of people have been leaving New York. It's, uh, New York and California, all these places where the liberal Democrats have taken over. It, it, it's really, there's, there's a really profound irony to it where, the wealthy people, they can kind of put up with the high taxes and the, you know, the high cost of living and all that stuff. So they don't move. The poor people really can't afford to move. So it's the middle class who end up leaving in droves. And then you create this kind of uh, tremendous inequality um, or, or you know, not create it, but you have a, a city with tremendous inequality, which is supposedly the biggest evil, uh, you know, according to these liberal Democrats. And, uh, but, but this is what their policies create. And now it's like on steroids. Um, so that, that, uh, my guess is that you'll see a lot of, uh, middle-class people leaving New York over the, uh, over the next year, but, uh, we'll see. Now, obviously this New York city, uh, has shown itself to be, and which a place that I love for all the good things about it that are no longer there, uh, yeah. you know, to be an unsafe place and, 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 uh, you know, having a lot of problems. New Jersey is still still has problems, you know, oh, obviously yeah. of of its own. Can you describe cuz I've I've visited since the lockdowns and then the slight and I mean the somewhat slight lifting of the lockdowns. I've visited uh, Georgia and Texas and Alabama and one other uh one other place I've been New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Yeah, I, I guess I've been around. 
Um, so I've kind of gotten to see what the different lockdown regimes are like. How would you describe things in, I mean, I don't know, you've, I, you've probably been to the city a couple of times. Well, I, I was there then. yesterday. Yeah, I was, okay, I was yeah. there so yesterday. I went into like. the, yeah, I went, I went to the Gas Digital Studios yesterday. Um, and I, I got to say, I mean, I, I was driving around um, uh, around the city a bit. And it's, I mean, I, I really find it just incredibly depressing. I mean, you drive through Soho and there's uh, Soho and then I was driving through the East Village. And I mean, it's like boarded up store after boarded up store with this really like kind of pathetic, just uh, uh, there's something about it that really just makes my skin crawl when they have these like Black Lives Matter signs outside their door. It basically begging to not be looted. Yeah. You know, so basically like, hey, we're with you, you know, go get someone else, I guess, because we're like the good store or something. They have, the, um, they'll, they'll be like um, people that wrote like black owned business outside of stores just to let you know, hey, maybe don't, you know, vandalize this store because we're not the, the evil white people or whatever. Um, and then it's just, you know, everybody walking around in masks and it's just, it, to me, it's really, it's just so sad, uh, re really depressing that after the, this city that had been through so much already now had to deal with, with all of this. And, um, it's, it's really like, it's, it's eerie. I, I was driving up the block that I used to live on in the East village and to see all the boarded up stores and stuff. It's, it's sad. Um, aside from that, there's a bunch of people, you know, who are like eating outdoors in, in restaurants. So they've been just like setting up tables like by the curb in New York and, and people are eating there and stuff. And it's, uh, I guess they're, you know, trying their best to, to be kind of normal, but it's, it's a weird vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the comedians that you know and that you've uh, seen and, and at various uh, clubs – these these people tend to be on the left, so I assume they favor the lockdown. So they favor them not working. They favor their <laughs> career stagnating because they really believe, like they're worried about the virus. I guess they, I mean, in their heart of hearts. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, like uh, text messages and phone calls from comedians who will tell me that they really, that they're like, oh man, I'm like, I, I, I'm like following your Twitter feed every day and like, oh, it's so awesome that you're saying this. But a lot of them are really intimidated to, you know, like whether it's the, it was the stuff about the lockdowns or the stuff about the Black Lives Matter stuff, uh, you know. So there's a lot of them who are kind of closeted nonconformists to the left. But none of them seem to really want to say anything <laughs> about it. Like they're all just kind of, Telling me they they agree. I, I shouldn't say all, but a bunch. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch. Of, there, there are other people I know who are like really freaked out about it and terrified that they're going to get the virus and and stuff like that. So I don't know exactly how they feel, but it has been it's it's really been devastating to a whole bunch of like just uh like working road comics who make their money by going out every weekend to different clubs around the country. And yeah, there's, there, there's some of them are starting to open up and some of them are like going out to the States that are, that are open, but it's, it's been devastating. And yeah, I, I suppose there are some who are rooting it on. I have a friend out on the West coast who has been holding speakeasy events. I mean, basically secret, large gathering, not, not large, like a thousand, but large, like 50 or more. Uh, where people are having dinner together and trying to be civilized and act like human beings. And I'm sure that's going on on a large and small scale all around the country. One thing that's gotten a shot in the arm from all this is so-called agorism. You know, the, the, the idea that 
look, there are two ways to, to get by in this world, uh, through peaceful interaction and through violence. And the state is the organized means of the second, the second one of those. But civilized people want to interact with each other peacefully. And so, now that just sounds like plain old libertarianism, but the next step of agorism is then to say, if you can find a chink in the armor, if you can find something, some, some area of fresh air where you can breathe free, you should take advantage of that. So for example, every, they say everybody's an agorist because nobody drives the speed limit. So right away you're 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 breaking the law. You're doing something. You're you're being free, and you're not you're not uh, abiding by the rules. Or if you don't report the income you made on a yard sale, you're an agorist. Well, all right, just take that a little bit farther. There are people exchanging services and and carrying on with their lives, but below the radar. And you know at least there's some, I guess th- that's great. I guess one thing where I've been wrong though, and you know I. I think I'm more right than I am wrong, but I'm wrong sometimes. And one thing I was wrong about was I thought when the state started to open up, there would be such a rush of people who are sick and tired of living like vegetables that they would want to just go and get out. They would want to go places. I am shocked at how many people are still just going to sit in their houses apparently indefinitely. That does surprise me. I was wrong about that. Well, I think that you know, I, I think maybe you were only half wrong about it because I, I think the fact that they're so slow with these phases and there's so many rules still, it's not as if we really know how many people would rush out if they just basically said, oh, hey, we are a quasi-free society again, like we once were, um, and just said, you, you know, all these businesses can, op- can open. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how many people would, would rush out or not, but there's no question that there has been a, a, a profound psychological effect on our culture by, you know, by this whole campaign of kind of, you know, uh, this fear campaign. And, and, and maybe some of it was justified. I mean, there, you know, COVID is a nasty virus. I, I'm not like trying to, you know, argue that it's not real or something like that. But uh, there, it, it's messed with people. And I think it's, it's you know, all of this stuff, th- this whole half a year so far, I think it's going to be a decade before we really know the effect that this had on on the country, but it's it's pretty major. Yeah, and it's if if they could just give us some kind of a sense of what it would take for normal life to resume, and I mean really normal life, like just go live, go do what you want to do. Don't lecture somebody because he wants to play guitar for a hundred people. You know when when do we get back to that? The, the, they've been very quietly moving toward the, even as the virus has is obviously dying out, they've been very quietly moving toward the extremist position from a few months ago where I couldn't believe people were saying, well, we're just gonna have to wait for a vaccine. It sounds like some of them are moving that way. Which is really uh, like hard to imagine because it's it's always been so absurd to me when, you know, they, at the very beginning of this whole thing, they'd be like, well, it's going to take 18 months to get a vaccine. I mean, that is just complete nonsense. We have no idea if we're going to get a vaccine for this virus. There are many viruses where we've never found a vaccine. And okay, given there's probably more attention placed on this one, but we don't know that we're going to have a vaccine for this. So you might be waiting for something that never comes. So that's quite a thing to say, oh, well, we just have to wait and see if we ever can live normal lives again. Um, and of, of course, as you know, you've talked about quite a bit, but it's really, you know, they just 
they're going to play this thing up in the most dishonest ways. I mean, so when when the they're testing through the roof, they tell you that cases are surging. Well, no, they're not. The, the cases aren't surging. We're finding out more about how many people have this virus. And as cases are going up and up, the death rate is going down and down, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not an epidemiologist, but that's what herd immunity looks like. That's, that's literally what a virus would be trying to achieve. More and more cases with fewer and fewer deaths. Um, so, but of course it doesn't get reported that way. So it's just very hard to, uh, um, when you see, you know, the death rates plummeting and, and nobody reporting on this positive news or no one in the kind of mainstream reporting on this, it's, uh, you you wonder, you're like, I, I guess they'll never report, like they'll just never admit this is, this is getting better. Over the past month, there have been something like a hundred thousand new so-called cases in, uh, I, I always put cases in quotation marks. This is a dumb word. A, a case could be just a person who's going to the hospital for a completely unrelated reason. Oh, you've got it, and it doesn't do anything to you. Okay, well, right. that's a case in quotation marks. 100,000 new cases over the past month, and yet hospital capacity in Florida is unchanged over the past month, unchanged, with 100,000 new cases. Now, I I know, oh, you got to wait two weeks. you got to wait three weeks. you got to wait. Okay, but the thing is, the the so-called spike in cases started a month ago, a month ago. So we should have seen a dramatic spike in deaths already. We shouldn't have to wait another two or three weeks. We should already see it. And that's not happening. And I, I, it's, it's just, this is the, the, the most, I have never seen people more resistant to good news in my life. Yeah. It is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, people developed um, like the, a, a weird stake in this being the worst thing. And they just, if there's any information that indicates that, oh, it's actually not, this isn't the end of the world. This isn't the bubonic plague, okay? Don't, like, it's not a crisis on that level. They get, it's not just that they disagree, they get angry. They get really angry at you for for pointing this out. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's another really strange psychological phenomenon that's going on all around uh, the country. And, uh, it, it, there's something very strange about it. Like particularly on the left, they really get off on this. We're we're the people who believe in science. So all oh. it takes is a few scientists to put up up there. You know, just put like Fauci and a few other you know these crony scientists up there, and then they get to feel superior to people like you and me and kind of lecture us about how that we need to listen to the science. Like it's a, there's something about that that really plays into their identity. And so they're like all in on you cannot downplay how horrible this is. And just really stupid things like, you know, things that don't, that like, look, the idea of wearing masks outside is kind of stupid. And the fact that no one can just acknowledge, I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot point me to anything, any real piece of science that in any way says if you're outside, not in a crammed area with a ton of people around you, that wearing a mask is not ridiculous. But they're still kind of lecturing people about that. I mean, obviously, masks make sense in certain situations. You know, okay, if you're a nurse working on a COVID positive patient, throw an N95 on. That's a good idea. But 
There's just so many of these things. It's just to keep the hysteria going. And there was a, you know, like the canceling of all of these fireworks shows on 4th of July. That one really bugged me. Uh, and I'm not like a big, you know, I don't really care about fireworks, but there was something about it where it's like, I mean, that's the easiest thing to social distance at, you know, like, okay, people don't have to be on top of each other while they watch the fireworks. So what the heck is the point of canceling it? It's like, it really feels like you're just trying to deprive people of any semblance of normalcy, that they can't just have fireworks on the 4th of July, like that people can't just have a, a silly little custom that they, that people enjoy. It really bothers me. And I, I guess the the thing that is, is making me the craziest, and I, I know people could come back and say, this is uncharted territory, you got to cut them some slack. But I really just want to know, what what are they looking for? Are they looking for le- actually zero cases of the thing before we can go back and pursue the livelihoods that we enjoy and the pastimes that we enjoy and all the things that make life not just a, a you know a biological affair in fact so i i just shared on uh twitter a cartoon from 2013 extra absurdly prescient it shows uh i guess it's like a public health person and he's standing in front of a of a of a case with a, a person in it and and he here's what he says we've encased everyone in a vat of gelatin with nutrition fed directly into their mouths once a day. The gelatin is electrically excited so as to stimulate their bodies to aerobic exercise. They all live to at least 150. So they're stuck in a gelatin-filled case, and they get electric stimuli to give them exercise, and they stay alive a long time. And the caption beneath this is, fortunately, public health advocates have no legislative power. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty prescient, right? Because yeah. today it's like, and I guess also the other thing, and I'll, I will, we'll stop on this. The, the key thing is nobody's allowed to make risk assessments for themselves, except if you want to go demonstrate for Black Lives Matter. You could say that's so important that it's worth a massive outbreak during a pandemic. That's yeah. just how important. We can't write articles about police brutality. We can't do anything else. We can't have live stream events like everybody else has been doing for everything they believe in. Um, yeah, no, I've you know, no, listen, it's it's not the most evil thing that I've ever seen the the media and and state, you know, perpetrate. But the most uh, like I've never seen anything where I just couldn't believe the unmitigated gall that they had to after all of these months of telling people you can't do anything to then turn around and say that it's okay to protest for Black Lives Matter. Like, no, this cause is even even like, you know, whatever it was that that letter that a bunch of epidemiologists signed on to. No, we think that this is so important that you can go do this. But to top that, then they turn around and still want to use it as a hammer for like a Trump rally. So like, you're still going to go get people sick if you want to go see Donald Trump speak. But if you want to protest racism, then that's okay. It's, so I think the way to do I, it I can't is even bring, a Bla- bring a Black Lives Matter sign to the Trump protest and you're protected against the virus. This is now, what I told. This is what I told Mark Skousen. I was like, we could have gotten Freedom Fest going. We just have to, you know, be protesting racism and we, we, yeah, we would all yeah, be out yeah, in Vegas exactly. right now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, not to mention, okay, you can go out and, and and protest on behalf of Black Lives Matter. However, if your mother dies, there can't be more than 10 people at her funeral. No right. exceptions. 
There can't yeah. be more than 10 people mourning your mother, but people can go protest for a political cause. Who how, who are you, I mean, to make these type of decisions for people? The, the fact that people uh, uh, for, for so long couldn't go to church. I mean, I mean, like that's who who is anyone to decide that that's just not that important. That's actually really, really important to, you know, like hundreds of millions of people, like really, really important. And, um, oh, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I've heard tons of just like anecdotal stories of people. I mean, I, I heard this one guy, uh, um, someone who follows me on Twitter told this story about how uh, his wife was pregnant. And at one point she got very ill and they thought they were going to lose the baby and they wouldn't let him in the, he had to wait in the car in the parking lot. They wouldn't let him in to her OBGYN appointment with her. Now everything was fine. Thank God uh, with them. And it worked out. But so, you know, like how can you, can, can someone else tell me that it's like, no, you, you can't take a risk so that you could be there to hold your wife's hand as she's possibly going to lose your baby. Uh, oh, but it's okay. It's okay to protest systemic racism like what who like what who gets to make that decision for somebody it's it's just it's outrageous yeah but unfortunately when you train people year after year in the ideological conformity factories of the the public schools they leave with this benign view of the state as just being innocent public servants who uh, deserve the benefit of the doubt and so i'm surprised I'm surprised we, you know, we we we've gotten away this this far with this much freedom, given yeah. given that that's the point of view everybody has. Tell people very briefly about part of the problem because it's really one of the only podcasts I listen to. Oh well, that uh, that means a lot to me. Yeah, it's part of the problem. That's that's my podcast. Uh, you, you can get it at gasdigitalnetwork.com. It's on YouTube and it's everywhere that uh, that podcasts are available. And um, it's uh, you know, I, I just vent and uh, uh, let out all of my, uh, my, my thoughts and opinions about all of the craziness of the world today from a, you know, ANCAP Rothbardian, Woodsian point of view. Um, so yeah, go, go check that out. All right. So that, that's part of the problem. We'll link to uh, Dave's podcast, tomwoods.com slash 1690-1690. Of course, you, should we say something about Gas Digital Network? Because I want to get people right over there. Oh yeah, gasdigitalnetwork.com. It's it's a podcast network that uh, Louis J. Gomez and Ralph Sutton run. There's a bunch of really great comedy shows uh, uh, on the podcast. A bunch of a bunch of different shows on there. Go go check it out. Really great people who run the network. It's uh, and a bunch of really great shows. So I, I recommend all of them. And uh, yeah, it's always great to be on your show, Tom. Thanks, Dave. So you can find part of the problem on the Gas Digital Network. So go check that out. Um, you should get Dave's comedy special because we probably have to wait a little while for his next one because the world has ended. But if we as get a second- As soon as possible, I, yeah. will, I will get the next hour out to you good people. All right, I'll link to that also in the show notes page. But you know, it, it, assuming we get a second chance at the world, uh, that'll be one of the things I look forward to. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. All right, thank you, Tom. All right, everybody, it looks like they want to keep us locked up forever in this COVID-19 thing because of surges and whatever else. This was not what they said at the beginning, but now they just can't stop themselves. So you still do need the old man's ebook. Your Facebook friends are wrong about the lockdown. Go get that at wrongaboutlockdown.com. In the U.S., you can also get it by texting the word lockdown to the number 33444. See you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. 
Check them out at podsworth.com.